Welcome to episode 24 of How About Them Huskies. I'm Connor, joined with Andrew and Matt. The other Matt can't be here, but we're going to continue on here recapping a big win. I'll call it a big win. It wasn't a big win. It was a little ugly win against Georgetown, 68-62. to 62. Kind of a scary game. Huskies were down late in the game to the Hoyas, who have one win in conference play, but they pulled it out. Some clutch shooting from Caravan, some strong play from Newton. No real stars in this one, but everyone pretty much did okay. Good enough to get the win against a Big East opponent on the road. Obviously, you want to beat Georgetown by more than six, but it is what it is. A win's a win at the end of the day. It all counts for the same. And what are your guys' thoughts from the game overall? Yeah, it was a good win. Um, you know, obviously, like you said, you do want to beat Georgetown by more than six points. But, I mean, at this point in the season where we've been, you know, you got to win at all costs and you got to win every game you can. Uh, I remember last game we beat DePaul and Andrew was talking about how, you know, <clears throat> you needed a win and you don't really care who it's against because once you get one, you know, one could turn into two. Now we have Marquette coming up uh, at home next, you know, that could be three. And all of a sudden, you know, we're back, we have momentum and, you know, we're looking like ourselves from the beginning of the season again, but, you know, obviously you want to beat these guys by more than six. They gave us a bit of trouble at the beginning of the season too. Uh, we did have to come back from double digits in that one. We trailed both games in the second half. So, I mean, maybe Georgetown just has our number, uh, but, you know, other than that, you know, you want to see more, but a win is a win. Yeah. I mean, especially with having, three games in a row that weren't very hard. Um, I mean, three out of four that weren't very hard, which is Butler, DePaul, and then Georgetown, which, by the way, we made hard for absolutely no reason. Georgetown had no business being in that game. But um, the beauty of those ones is that you can win them and get your confidence back because at this rate, like, we can't afford to lose anymore, but we also can't afford to take any games without a grain of salt because people know when teams are – on a down spell. And that's what we were at least before our last two games. You know, I think we lost like six of our last eight or something stupid like that. Um, and so teams are going to notice that, you know, they're going to, they're going to try to get into our heads and see that, you know, we're down and never coming back. But I mean, these, these two wins, you really have to give more credit than is due because yeah, you can say whoever we played, you know, like I said with Butler, I don't care if it's a high school team, we beat them, and that's all that matters. So you just – you really got to take these wins for more than they are just because of what we've been recently. Yeah, I mean, Big East play, it's tough. Probably top three conference in college basketball this year. And beating DePaul and then Georgetown back-to-back, it's the first time we've had back-to-back wins since win number 13 and 14 against Georgetown and Villanova. So it's been a while for that, so it's good to get that out of the way. And for this game as a whole, for my personal player of the game in this one, you guys, you guys may have a different one, but I think it's Andre Jackson. I mean, he stuffed the stat sheet, seven points, 10 rebounds, seven assists. But more importantly, he was assigned Primo Spears, Georgetown's leading scorer going into the game, just over 16 points per game. He allowed Primo Spears to take one shot and he missed it. And he had zero points in 36 minutes. That is that is very shocking to me. Not that Andre could do that. I mean, we know he's a phenomenal defender, but just you think a team's leading scorer would have more of an impact, especially because he had a pretty solid game last time against Desta Gamble. And I said he was my player to watch for Georgetown coming into this game because he's so versatile, can score in so many ways, mid-range, three-point. So it's really surprising. It just shows Andre. He's had a couple of down games recently. We've struggled. He struggled kind of 
goes hand in hand, but he really picked it up in this one. And I think he's, it's the start of something special for him, both on offense and defense. If he does well on defense, which he did today, his offense translates. He had seven points and seven assists. Yeah. And he had the really big rebound at the end of the game where he kicked it back out to Newton. And, you know, he hit that big uh, caravan. He hit that big shot. And who knows, man, if he doesn't get that rebound, they come back down, they hit a three, how that game ends. So I, I'm going to have to agree with you because not, you know, not a lot of people showed up on the score sheet. Uh, Hawkins only had 10 and Sonogo had 16, but I mean, that was about it. But um, our 15, my fault. But yeah, um, I'm going to have to agree with you. Yeah, with Andre Jackson, you know, from when he's been at UConn, wherever he plays next, which I think is going to be, if not the NBA, then at least the G League, just because of his pure athleticism. Um, but wherever he's going to play or has played, he's never been that guy who's going to drop 30 on a team with no assists, and no rebounds. He's going to be that guy that either equals all of them or gets very close to him and makes game saving plays. You know, he's he's a different type of player than basketball has nowadays. You know, you have all these guys who will shoot it from, I mean, beyond half court if they so please. And the ball doesn't leave their hands once they get it. But Jackson, Jackson's a team player and not even just on the aspects of playing the game you know he told Hurley that he was going to be here for all four years because what he wants more than anything is to help this squad win a championship which is definitely eye-opening but also you know he's just he's more of like I really don't even know the word to describe like he's like he's a team player like he's not going to be a guy who like goes off you know when we say that he goes off and people are like what he scored 10 points he didn't go off you know going off is like a different definition for every player and with Jackson, I'd, I'd have to agree that he had the player of the game, and not even just because of his offense, but defending Georgetown's best player as well as he did is definitely going to go unnoticed from this game. I can just sense it right now. Um, but, yeah, he's definitely he's definitely our best team player, I'd have to say. Yeah, like I, I'll reiterate a point I had a second ago. The team goes as he goes. He's been in a slump recently the past month or so. The team struggled, but now he's back on track and the team's back on track. They've won two straight. And we'll shift to another player on the perimeter for UConn, Jordan Hawkins. Not his best game. He did 10 points, 4-13 from the field, 2 of 7 from deep. He did not attempt a free throw after he took 14 against DePaul. We'll get to the free throws in a little bit. That's an interesting stat to me. And just really... Not saying it was a non-factor, but he didn't have his best A game, probably his worst game in the past seven or eight since that Marquette game on the road where he only scored like eight points, I believe, took a couple of shots for some reason. But we still got the victory, even though he didn't have his best, but we barely got the victory against a, one of the worst teams in the conference when he didn't have his best. So say if he only has 10 points against a Creighton or Xavier or Providence, we're probably not winning that game. We were fortunate that he had one of his worst against a inferior opponent and we were able to get it done without him yeah and as the season has uh grown on i feel like we've become a lot more dependent on jordan hawkins having more than 20 points a night which uh isn't the best thing ever you know because I, I have a feeling that this game was as close as it was uh due to the fact that you know he wasn't entirely there and he wasn't hitting his threes like he usually does and you know, we didn't have as clutch scoring like we needed. So, I mean, as as the season goes on, you can't have many more dud and dull performances like this one because it'll hurt you in the long run. With Hawkins, he really has to be in a rhythm to succeed, you know, which isn't a bad thing per se. But, you know, if he's if he's on, then Hurley's going to run plays that revolve around him. But he definitely has to be in a rhythm 
to really be successful. Like he's not going to make a three, miss six, and then make another one. You know, if he misses six in a row, he's done. Um, he's going to score layups and inside shots from that point, but he's really got to be in a rhythm and to a point where he's not just jacking up shots for no reason. Um, but he, I wouldn't say he had a bad game. One of his worst, sure, you can call it that, but he he didn't have a bad game. You know, he's still obviously a big part of this team with his energy. I mean, he he threw it down almost as good as he did last year uh, in the same place against pretty much the same team. But he he's another guy where his energy is really going to help this team out. So even even if he's not scoring a ton of points per game, you know, you still got his energy on both sides of the ball, which I honestly think is more important. Yeah, this one for Hawkins, it's kind of a homecoming. He's from Gaithersburg, Maryland. I believe the broadcast said either 30 minutes or 30 miles. I don't remember which one. But with homecoming games, I've seen it's a it's a fact that sometimes guys struggle. They have a lot going on, like a lot of not a lot of pressure, but just like maybe they I don't know where I'm going with this, but I just saw a stat that it said that guys tend to struggle a little more when they're playing closer to home. It's just Maybe that's not the case. Either way, long story short, Hawkins, not his best game. UConn still won. He has to improve if we want to beat better opponents than Georgetown. And we'll move on to another player, last starter on the perimeter, Tristan, take double-digit shots, Newton. He took 14 and scored 15 points. So he continues to, when he's aggressive, he's getting his points. He's getting his field goals. He had eight rebounds and six assists as well. Since that St. John's game where he did not score, he has been arguably our best player that's really really impressive to see even like even after the non-conference play heading into the biggies play i didn't think he'd have the potential to be what he is so he's really surprised me from that point yeah and i mean the thing with him has always been efficiency uh taking shots and you know making shots i feel like 15 points on 14 shots is not uh where you want him to be i mean obviously i mean you'll take all the 15 points but you need to be hitting more of those. He shot three of five from the perimeter, which I really like. And we've definitely seen a lot more of uh, the, the consistency on the three-point shot is definitely back from him. I'm not sure what it was. Maybe just the yips, just a cold spell and whatnot. But uh, his three-point shot was not there. And I feel like that really hurt his confidence. So I wonder if, you know, him making those shots has kind of turned him back on of the player that, you know, we saw at the be- uh, beginning of the season getting triple doubles and whatnot. But yeah, obviously you love to see him coming back. And it's kind of turned into a big three now with him, Hawkins, and uh, Stonogo, which I really love. Yeah, with him, you know, you, you can always wonder what it was, um, why he wasn't performing well in those games. But this really proves that uh, Hurley knows ball because we all said that, we sh- that he should be out of the starting lineup and that DR should be in there instead of him and, you know, all that stuff we said about the lineup changes and Hurley didn't do a damn thing. Clearly he didn't listen to this, uh, our episode where we talked about that, which is okay because it really didn't have any bearing on the team, but this just proves that leaving him in the starting lineup was the right move because after those games, uh, he's in the last three, he's averaging 19.3, I believe points per game, which is really good for him because of how, I don't want to say bad, like how cold his shot got. Uh, it just didn't look as well as it did in the season. And only having that one shot against St. John's was really not great. But uh, I'm just happy to have him back at this point. You know, we don't need to discuss anything that happened in the past. I'm just happy that he's back and performing well for us. Not only did he, uh, you know, start DR at Bench Newton, he's cut DR's minutes almost entirely off. 
Uh, I think he's had eight combined minutes in the past two games, uh, eight or ten around there, which to me is really surprising considering what he did for us on the defensive side of the ball. But when Newton's hot, Newton's high. You got to give him the majority of the minutes. Uh, I mean, we're we're just seeing minutes cut all around. Yeah, I agree. It's a little surprising that wasn't more than five minutes of DR for what he brings on defense. But now that I think about it just now, it makes a little bit of sense because Primo Spears is their smallest starter. I don't have his height in front of me. He's like 6'2", maybe. And Andre was on him. And after that, they have some big guards like Brandon Murray and Jordan Riley in the starting lineup. And Jay Heath off the bench is decently sized. So it'd be kind of a mismatch. So I'm not surprised completely for this one. They didn't play too much, but for past games, I am. I mean, he's been an important part of this team. Obviously, Newton's been cooking recently, and you go with the hot hand. But we've seen a couple of times over the past few games, lineups with Newton and Diara together for a short period of time. So I feel like that may be the formula to go with, for at least for a bit, for the rest of the season. The entirety of that, you know, magic lineup with Diara, Calcaterra, Klingon, Aline, all of them, they've all seen a bit of a minutes decrease, except for Aline, uh, who somehow concept, uh, kept his minutes uh, going up. Uh, no matter how inconsistent his shooting is, Danny loves to have him out there on the floor. And I, I just bet it's a matchup thing. I mean, he brings some good things to the table on defense. Just offensively, you know, he's a sharpshooter who can't really shoot too well, so... I mean, we need we need more offensive production from him, obviously. But, I mean, I, I trust Hurley, and I trust, you know, what he's thinking. We've won two in a row now, hopefully three after uh, Marquette. So, you know, got to trust him. Okay, we'll move to the front court now. Adama Sonogo, 15 points and six rebounds. Not really a star game from him, but we'll definitely take it. I mean, he was tied for the leading scorer on the team. And he wasn't, he wasn't really too big of a factor in the other – Georgetown game either he had I believe 14 and 7 maybe which I mean I'm saying that's not much because we've seen him go for 25 30 points but still a very solid game from him and he hit a three-pointer in this one which is good to see and Andrew brought this up before we hopped on I honestly didn't know it until he said it Adama Snogo reached the 1,000 point club against Georgetown so congratulations to him in just 76 games which honestly I don't know if that's low or not I feel like it's pretty low 76 game that's like 12 points per game maybe something like that so that's impressive congratulations to him he's earned it and I hope there's many more points to come yeah he's now averaging in his whole entire college career 13 a game so close there but uh yeah it was actually on a three-pointer too I got the notification from uh Dave Borges on Twitter that that three-pointer was his a thousandth point and the UConn media team I guess didn't know about it didn't like just forgot about it, something like that, because the UConn women's basketball media team was on it. Uh, Aaliyah Edwards, this is today. You'll probably see this tomorrow. Scored her a thousandth point against South Carolina today, and they were on it. They posted it like three hours after the game, and you know now people are tagging the UConn men's basketball account, asking if somebody on their team got that same milestone in their last game. But yeah, it's definitely weird that it kind of went unnoticed because it's never gone unnoticed a milestone like that. I mean, they posted Joey's last year. They posted uh, RJ Cole and Tyrese Martin. But, yeah, it's definitely definitely weird that it, it's been unnoticed to this point. But either way, congratulations to Adama. I was going to say, especially with Joey, you know, he's been in the program for, like, six months now. I mean, I don't know how they managed to figure out that he hit 1,000 before you know, homegrown Adama is – it's been uh, three years here, so uh, it, the whole thing is a little confusing, and uh, I'm not sure why. 
And since I learned about the Sonogo news, I looked at some of our other players to see if we could have potentially a third 1,000-point score this season behind Calcaterra and Sonogo. And Nahima Lean is 28 points away. That's We have seven regular season games. That's four points per game. That's around his average. So odds are he'll get there. At least I hope he gets there. If our sixth man essentially doesn't score 28 points in the next rest of the season, we're, we're in a little bit of trouble. But I don't, I don't, I guess this is more common than I thought, where we're just having a lot of 1,000 point scores at once. So it's cool to see, cool round number 1,000. And we'll move on. Last starter here, we'll talk about Alex Caravan. He had two very clutch threes, one of them to put UConn up. They were down 61 to 60. He drilled a three to give them a two point lead. And then we mentioned this play earlier Newton missed a shot. Andre got the rebound, kicked it out to Caravan for a three to put it to, I believe, six. And that was the final score. So two huge shots from the freshman, and he's impressed me as well. I mean, we sometimes bash him a little bit for his defense, but his offense is really what carries him, and his defense has improved as the Big East play has gone on. He is an X factor for this team. If he's hot, he hits three threes, maybe even four, which I don't think he's actually done yet. I think he's maxed out at three, but once he gets to those four, maybe even five three-pointers made, this team's going to be very difficult to beat. This is an entirely different player, I feel like we're watching, uh, compared to the start of the season. He would not get into the paint at all, and the only time you would see him in there was on offensive rebounds, which honestly shocked me, because he wouldn't hit it for defensive rebounds, and I feel like he'd get bullied by his matchup. I remember we would always talk about, you know, him against athletic guards or athletic wings, and he wouldn't stand a chance. Now, you're not really seeing that. You're not seeing this mismatch that... um, it was taking place and I feel like it's just a, uh, an upgrade in uh, eagerness and overall just aggressiveness to get in the paint and get those stops get those rebounds because he knows how important they are um, he needs to stay aggressive because when he's not aggressive the, the amount of second chance points that we let up are insane and the amount of rebounds just in general that we let up are ridiculous because he's supposed to be one of our forwards you know get in there be physical be be strong Obviously, he's a freshman. He's like 20 years old, 19 years old. So, you know, frailness comes with it. But, you know, as you age, you're supposed to get stronger and bigger. And I feel like we're starting to see that. And also, I think it's time for a little conspiracy that we do every week. Alex Caravan started to grow out the beard a little bit. And he's improved pretty much across the board, especially playmaking. It's second straight game with at least at least four assists which the power forward position, not really known to get too many assists. So that's cool to see. So maybe bearded caravan is the way to go the rest of the year. And also I saw assistant coach Tom Moore is growing one out too. So maybe that's just what UConn's got to do. Just grow out some beards the rest of the season. And that'll lead to some, lead to some success. Yeah. We're way past the Kevin Ollie days of clean cut, clean shaven players. And I like it. I like the, I like the, the beards, I like the long hair, Andre Jackson's hairdo. I love it. So you know, I, I'm all for it. I'm all for the facial hair. Yeah, Andre changes pretty much every game, either the full afro or like just the straight up. He hasn't gone with the braids yet this year, I don't think, which I kind of like that look on him. But really, the possibilities are endless for him with his hairstyles. And we'll we'll move back to the game here. Stop talking about the hairstyles of our players. We'll go to the bench real quick. Samson Johnson, he played two minutes. He got in there in the first half, didn't really do anything. Klingon, he only played 11 minutes, just one for three from the field, two points. There, we, we, we had a lot of perimeter shots in this one, 12 to 24 from three. Wasn't a lot going on inside, so I'm not too concerned with just 11 
minutes and two points from him. Diara, we touched upon already. Aline, he played 17 minutes really in that sixth man role again. He went one of four from the field, one of two from three, three points. And Joey Calcaterra played nine minutes, which is triple, I believe, what he played versus DePaul. I'm pretty sure he played three. And he hit his only shot, which it was a nice look off a screen. And I, I don't like this is maybe just me. I don't like seeing him go one for one. That means he took one shot and made it. Okay, why not take another? I'd rather see. Maybe it's weird, but I'd rather see a four for five over a four for four because a four for four means you stop shooting. I want to see him keep on throwing it up until he misses. Even if he misses, keep on shooting again. I mean, he's an important part of this team and we know he can make the shots. So why not take more? Obviously, it's a usage, not issue, but it's a usage problem. He's not getting out there a lot. But when he's out there, he's out there to get points. So take more shots. I'd like to see him take a couple when he's out there. And we need him taking shots because his confidence obviously is a little drained. Um, hasn't been the shooter we saw at the start of the year. And I'm not sure if you guys heard this. Uh, this was like there was an interview uh, done with Peyton Pritchard. Uh, he was talking about how being like a low usage player kind of affects your confidence and how you're perceived by uh, the public. Because Peyton Pritchard's a pretty good shooter, pretty good three point shooter. And uh, he said that, you know, when you're low usage and you're coming in the game and you're taking know two shots two shots a game you know one game you might miss two shots you might shoot over two all right and then you're rendered useless that game but then the next two you come out and you're two for two then you're a 50 percent shooter at that point and you know people call you streaky and people call you you know in, inconsistent when in reality you know you're doing the most with your minutes if you're taking four shots throughout two games and you're making half of them i mean you're pretty high pretty high uh rated player and uh for him i feel like it's a little unfair he had a lot of looks and they seem to have gone away as the season went on, which, you know, I don't really like. You need a player like that shooting. If, if, I'm, if I'm Dan Hurley, I'm locking him in a gym and having him shoot three after three. Uh, but, I mean, you need him shooting four or five shots a game, in my honest opinion, in order to keep him consistent. Because that's what he was doing at the start of the season. And he was hitting them. You need a player like that to get a, a lot of high uh, high quality shots. Yeah, and with him, I'm actually going to compare that to somebody – from last year's team. But yeah, those, those shots that you miss, you know, as someone who's there to do one job, which is shoot the basketball and make it, uh, those, those misses really have an effect on you because you know that if you go one for five, two for six in a game, you know, you're going to be called useless by the media or the fans, whatever it may be. So your confidence is definitely going to get drained. But you know, if you go one for one, you know, you did everything right. You hit that one shot that you took um, and you didn't, miss any so you know it's it's kind of a weird place to be in uh, especially for a player who's only really there to do one thing um but you know it's a lot different if a guy like Jordan Hawkins goes one for one instead of whatever he would go um because you know Hawkins is there to do a lot of different things and I, that was actually my comparison with last year's some of the reasons why we lost last year's games were Hawkins was basically in the same position as Calcaterra as well as Aline, um, besides the, the minutes uh, difference that they have. You know, Hawkins thought he was there to be like the next Tyler Polly, which was really just shoot the ball and make it as best he could. But, you know, he quickly learned that this team needs him to be there for everything. And that's why we are where we are right now, because he's there on defense, offense, and with the intensity. But, yeah, it's just it's kind of a weird place to be in for those guys who aren't um, really known for being well-rounded, I'll say, players. Um, it's just it, – it's a different situation, really, but it's it's okay in a sense if he would go like three for six or four for seven, something like that, because you know he'd 
have the confidence to take those shots. But I'm not calling going one for one a loss, um, especially after the struggles he's had since that first Georgetown game. You know, this team, in my opinion, is filled entirely with NBA role players. I would not be surprised to see a few of these guys, you know, making it to the league and, you know, sit on a bench as a spot-up shooter or a rebounder or a shot blocker. We have a bunch of defender. I mean, Hassan Diara is one of the better defenders in the Big East, in my opinion. He doesn't play 10 minutes a game. Uh, I'm not sure why. Uh, I feel like those are very valuable minutes he'd be getting, especially when we saw him, you know, last time we played Georgetown come in and, you know, just cause a ruckus. Uh, he causes a ruckus almost every game. He caused a ruckus against Nova, caused a ruckus against Georgetown. All the big games that we seem to be, and he seems to, you know, spark it, light a spark and, you know, start transition opportunities. Yeah, and with the rotation, we're not going to go deep into this now. We've done it in the past. There's going to be a point, whether it's the regular season or in the Big East tournament, where Hurley pulls the plug and we only see seven or eight guys play in the entire game. I'm curious to see when that'll be. I mean, because, like, you figure if you're in the NCAA tournament, I think he'd rather have a guy like Caravan out there for 30 minutes as opposed to Caravan's 20 or as opposed to Caravan 28 and Johnson too. He's rather have a guy like Hawkins be out there longer and take away from Joey. So I'm curious when that'll happen. I mean, we've seen it in the past. We played six guys pretty much versus New Mexico state last year. Obviously there was some injury concerns there and there wasn't as much talent as there is this year, but it's going to happen at some point. I'm curious to see when it does. And I have one last point here from the, Georgetown game and then we'll move on to the Marquette game a big one coming up we only took five free throws two for five from the line which that's not great but I don't that's what it is what it is I'm not really too looking too much into that Newton 0 for 2 Sonogo 2 for 3 but I mean that's after we took how many did we take versus DePaul 34 free throw attempts versus DePaul to five the next game that's just really surprising to me that you can have that much disparity in within like a week it just shows maybe it's an issue with the Big East refs. Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm just – I don't know I'm going with that. Refs haven't been great. I feel like that's a consensus opinion around the whole league. But, I mean, Georgetown took 14 free throws. We took five. But it also the five free throws, it's because we were taking so many threes and so many shots from the perimeter. So that's going to happen. But it's just five free throws is surprising to me. Didn't feel like it was that low, but it was. Oh, the inconsistency is ridiculous. I mean – I don't know how that happens in every single game in this conference. We always have some kind of refing issue. Um, I don't know if it's just us fans being biased. I don't think it is. But, I mean, the numbers show you that we have been absolutely derailed by referees this year. Um, it's probably not even only us. It's probably a lot of teams. But it's definitely just something to keep tabs on. Um I'm not a fan of complaining about the referees because I've done it myself. It's a hard job. But still, I mean – they are professionals in a sense. Um, so, yeah, this definitely has to be controlled better than it is right now. But it's still – it's crazy to see the inconsistency with the refing this year. But I don't want to get too uh, involved in the refing issue of this conference. Yeah, and there's one play that comes to mind. And I honestly don't remember if it was this Georgetown game or against DePaul. It was one of these two this week. Tristan Newton made a layup and was fouled. And they, like, didn't call the and one when it went in. They called it on the floor, but they called the foul after he made the basket. So that was confusing to me. I don't know what was up with that. But yeah, the refing, it's been a little iffy all year, but you got to work around that. I mean, at the end of the day, the game is won by the 5v5 on the floor. So you got to look 
look around the refing issues and just go out and play your game. And I think we'll transition to the Marquette game on Tuesday. Marquette's going to be prop, definitely top 15. They're number 14 right now, coming off of two wins. They'll probably be around 12, maybe even 11. That's going to be a great matchup at the XL Center, top 25 matchup. We've had a bunch of those over the past few years. XL is going to be rocking. And this is the not the first. We've had a couple already. Or we've only had one, Xavier. But revenge games for UConn. Teams that already beat us, they come to our place. It's going to be a chip on our shoulder a little bit. I mean, I mean, they beat us last time. It was a close one. We'll, I'll talk about what happened in that one in a little bit. But they just got to come out with the energy. The crowd's going to be on their side. They just got to perform, and I think they can get it done. I feel like Marquette's a good team, obviously, 11-2 and two in Big East play, but I think we're more than capable of beating them. I'm not nervous, uh, which I have been for, you know, most of our games recently, especially on the form that we're in. But part of me feels like we should come in and we should take care of business and, you know, push these guys right off to the side because we are a better team than they are. Um, I feel like Hurley should do something bold. I feel like Hurley should start clinging this game, especially after, you know, what we saw last game, what he did to those guys and how much Sonogo kind of struggled there. Um and there's uh, there's no way that Hawkins plays this game like he did last game. Um, he has to he has to step up, or else you know the trend of him playing bad and us not doing well that's going to continue. We um we we expect a lot more from our players now, and I, I feel like we should just come in, take care of business, and go home. Yeah, um, this game is going to be one where we need everybody there. But I just actually read on Twitter a little while before we filmed this that uh, UConn is practicing at the XL Center tomorrow, which is promising. Um, but we could go into a million reasons about why I think this should never happen, but that'll be for a different date, um, maybe during the offseason. But this is good to see them practicing at a place where it's no secret. They've struggled pretty badly shooting there all year long. Um, but yeah, I mean, Marquette coming into this sold out crowd, um, knowing that they won last game, having to deal with our fan base, having to deal with a different player in Hawkins who scored what eight points against him last time, who's been on a heater lately. Uh, this is going to be a completely different game. I would be scared if I was a Marquette fan for this game, just because of how well we've gotten back on track. You know, their loss was one of the ones that started to really bring us down. And now we've gotten those easy wins and this is going to be our our first real big contest after our last two to see who really is the uh, the better team in this conference. And I would have to say that we have it uh, just because of our experience. You know, Marquette, I actually listened to this on the broadcast against the Butler game. They have not one player with NCAA tournament experience, which is definitely something to uh, note. But I still, I think we've got this one just because of the building we're playing in. Our fans, the way we're gonna go into this game, I think I think Dusky's got this one for sure. But it's definitely gonna be a game where we need to be doing everything right. Yeah, we were in a similar position last year, a similar point in the season where a higher ranked Marquette, but not too much higher ranked Marquette came in the XL Center and UConn defeated them. I think we'll see a similar similar game to that. 
And you guys mentioned some of the stats for some of the players already. I'll just go over the rest real quick. This was the Donovan Clean game, 20 points and 10 rebounds off the bench. Chenogo had 10 points in five turnovers, and Klingon played the majority of those minutes. Caravan actually had a great game here too, 17 points and seven rebounds. And the guards, this is really where we struggled. Newton only had seven. Jackson had nine and six assists. And Hawkins, we mentioned, he only had eight points and one field goal. So recently, it's been the guards like Hawkins and Newton that are carrying us. And I think maybe the script will be flipped from the last Marquette game. I think the guards will be the ones that win us the game if we get the win. So it'll be really interesting to see. And also the bench real quick. Joey played 15 minutes, only three points. Aline didn't score. And DR only six minutes from him. So not much from the bench, which has been the case all conference play pretty much. Yeah, and if you look at the rotations, that were, this this is an entirely different team. I mean, Joey's Joey's benched, uh, not benched, but far less minutes. He, uh, you know, his un- inconsistency we needed out of the lineup. I love the guy; he's a great shooter, he's a great player. But w- when you're this inconsistent on this much of a cold spell, you need him out of the lineup. You can't be you can't be having players in there one for six against a ranked team. Um, Newton shot three for eight. Hawkins one for eight. That's not gonna happen again. There's no, there's no chance. There's no way. Uh, that's why I feel so confident coming into this game, especially after we saw how Klingon did. I feel like they're gonna have a huge focus on him. You can't just come back into the game without focusing on Klingon. And while they're focusing on the backup big man, I wonder what Adamus Sonogo is gonna do. Uh, I'm feeling another big. I'm feeling a big game from him. Uh, just because you know they're very worried about Klingon. Twenty ten and five last game, monster game, and uh, we get Samson back. Um. He's a big guy. I have a feeling we'll throw him in there for more than, you know, two minutes just because uh, it seems like they can't handle the size. But, uh, yeah, don't be surprised if we see some Klingon and Samson in there running around. I, I, uh, I'd I like that. Yeah, and I think we'll close out the episode here with the traditional we'll choose a player to watch. And mine I'll go with the easy one, Hawkins, like we've mentioned multiple times the past few minutes. He went one for eight from the field. In that last game against Marquette, that's going to change, certainly. I mean, he's been on fire since then. I met, When I had said that the game against Georgetown was his worst in the past seven or eight, I was referring to this one was his previous worst. I mean, he will definitely improve off of that. They're going to run some plays for him early. He's going to take definitely more than eight shots and definitely more than four threes. And the crowd's going to be on his side. And just as a quick side note, I wonder if we're going to break out the Connecticut uniforms again or if that's just a – done after the Xavier loss I mean we've seen this year after we lose and we change a uniform after we lose in that uniform we go back to the usual white and blue so curious to see what that'll be but yeah Hawkins definitely my player to watch for this one my answer is definitely going to be uh not quite a normal one but my person to watch for this one's going to be Dan Hurley because this is going to be this is going to have to be a coaching masterclass. I mean, my opinion, top two coaches in the Big East going at it in this game. Shaka Smart against Dan Hurley. Um, so he's really going to have to be on his game and notice how all the players are playing. I mean, really, the whole UConn coaching staff, you know, Kimani, Luke Murray, Mamadou, Tom Moore, Mastrangelo, they're going to have to let him know if they see something that he doesn't because odds are he's going to be losing his ever-loving mind at something and then completely forget that there's a basketball game going on. So the other guys on the bench are going to have to let him know analytics wise, what's happening. And a move that I would love to see is Sonogo goes out there for the first four minutes. And at the U 16 timeout, whenever that might be, I would love to see him put Klingon in 
as a little bit of a distraction, you know, show them, show them Marquette players, remind them what he did to them last game, but more so as a distraction to see if they'll put two guys on him or if they'll leave him open, see what he does. I mean, he's seven, two, if they leave him open, he should be fine. We'll get those points anyway, but they double him. We'll find somebody wide open. Hopefully a guy like Hawkins or Caravan who we can make, Marquette be punished from the three-point line, but it's. I think it's all going to come down to more so the coaching in this one than any player to watch. Well, I have a player to watch, and it's Adama. Um, I feel like especially after last game against Marquette, where we saw Klingon come in and just change the whole uh, facet of the game, they have to have a plan for him. They have to. They have to be, you know, scheming, planning, plotting for what he's going to do. And I feel like. As they're doing that, Adama Sonogo is an entirely different player. Uh, and he is not one to be taken lightly, especially with what he's been doing recently, flying towards the basket, getting put back dunks, kind of, you know, putting the ball down, Euro step, slam it, just like Giannis, you know, his favorite player. But, uh, yeah, I, I have a feeling that, you know, they're, he might slide between the cracks a little bit, uh, fill up the stat sheet, double-double. Uh, typical Adama stuff, but in more of a dominant fashion. You mentioned the putback dunks. In between those clutch caravan threes at the end of the game, Sonogo had a putback dunk. It kind of caught me off guard. He doesn't really slam it down too often. He did it in kind of a clutch situation, so that's good to see. He needs to do it more often. He's good at it. And first, Marquette, this will be our final point, and we'll wrap up. We were up by four at halftime last game and got outscored by 10 in the second half, allowing almost 50 points. And I wonder what we're going to change defensively, and I don't remember the matchups for that one too well but I feel like it was more of a traditional like you point guard guards point guard not what we did last game when Jackson was guarding Spears I wonder if they're going to put a guy like Jackson on Tyler Kolek who is lead or excuse me third in the country in assists per game he's arguably one of the top front runners for Big East player of the year with guys like Bryce Hopkins and Sule Boom I wonder if we throw Jackson on him to kind of disrupt his playmaking because that's what makes Marquette so good but it really, you could put Jackson even on Cam Jones, who's been very solid this year, around 16 points per game. Really, you can do a lot with the matchups. So it'll be very interesting to see what Hurley goes with off tip. And I think that'll do it here for episode 24, recapping a nail-biting Georgetown victory and previewing a top 25 matchup against Marquette. It's going to be a sold-out XL Center, I assume. I don't know the numbers on that, but I'm pretty sure I saw it sold out. It's going to be rocking, and Marquette doesn't know what's coming. So, yeah. Anyone else want to jump in before I officially wrap it up? I'm going to end with uh, the big Larry Forearm quote. You know, you didn't do it last time because I wasn't here, but 3-1 and one on the new season, and we're on to Marquette. So that's that's our worry for right now. Nothing else, just on to Marquette. Yep, you said it. On to Marquette. Thanks for watching. <laughs>